So we're, um, we're going through our series talking about the different ways uh, the Crossings Church uniquely equips our members and why we equip our members. We've been talking the last few weeks about uh, some of the philosophy behind why we do church the way we do it, kind of our model, uh, different things that are related to that. Today I want to talk specifically about how we're equipped to plant churches. Uh, the Crossings Church, we are a church plant. We also are a church that is planting additional churches. If you don't know, uh, we started this church when several of us moved from across the river a few years ago. Uh, we acquired this property and we came over here intentionally to start this congregation because we believe God wants to reach you. Several of you are in this room this morning. You became Christians because this church is here and you are the reason that we planted this church. You were the reason that we came over here. Before we even knew you guys, we were praying for you. For two years, we prayed for this place before we came over here. We prayed, prayed that God would be active in your lives. You're like, that's why my life got so jacked up. <laughs> we prayed God would start doing stuff to make you want to have a relationship with him. That's not always pleasant, is it? Uh, but it worked, and you're here. So thanks. We're glad you're here. Listen, uh, we, we planted a church in Columbia uh, not too long ago as well. When I say we, it's us, this congregation, and then our friends across the river and the other churches that are over there. We kind of work together to do that. Guys, in the future, uh, we're in Collinsville. Someday, we are going to be planting our own churches where we're doing it. Kind of like how the, the church across the river was basically the church that sent us over here. Someday, we're going to be able to be that for others. Uh, and that's the vision. You might ask, why in the world would we, would we want to do that? Um, well, we're going to talk about that. You've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have most of the passages of Scripture uh, that we're going to talk about this morning. It's also going to have some space for you to take some notes down. Um, so in that, uh, on that piece of paper you got, uh, you see at the top it says, why does the crossings plant churches? Well, the first blank is, we want to be like Jesus. We plant churches because we want to be like Jesus. And what I mean by that specifically is we want to address a real need that's present. Jesus came to earth to address need. It says in Isaiah 61, now just to give you some context, whenever Jesus started his public ministry, one of the first things he did uh, when he went public is he went to a synagogue. A synagogue was a Jewish church. They got together on Saturdays in the first century. They would open up the Old Testament scriptures. They would read it, and they would say, how do we apply this to our lives? How do we do this stuff? So kind of like what we do on Sundays would be kind of like what they did. They would open their Bible and say, okay, here's what it says. What does this mean? So what? How do we apply what this is saying? Um, well, Jesus picks up a scroll at this synagogue meeting, and he reads this passage from Isaiah, and here's what it says. It says, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
So Jesus reads this passage, then he rolls up the scroll, and he says to this group of people in the synagogue, today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the guy that God sent to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm the guy that God sent to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. I'm the guy that's going to fulfill this passage. I'm here to address need. Jesus saw that the world was jacked up, messed up place where he needed to inject himself and bring some healing, right? He came specifically because there's hurt. He came specifically because there's broken people that need more in life. And you say, what does that have to do with planting churches? Guys, Jesus came into the world because there was a great need for brokenness to be healed. You want to know why we plant churches? Because we want to be that for others. The church is Jesus' idea. You want to know who built the church? Jesus. You want to know what the church is for? Guys, we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. Wherever the church goes, like where you could tell where Jesus went in the first century. Why? Because there was healing that followed him. There was people that were broken, that were made whole. There were, there were all kinds of things. People realizing who they were in God's eyes, like who they needed to be, who, he, who they were created to be. That's the kind of stuff that followed Jesus around. You want to know what follows a healthy church around? That same kind of stuff. You want to know the, the results of a healthy church being present in a community, you see the same kind of results as you saw in Jesus' ministry. You see brokenness healing, right? You see people becoming whole. You see people overcoming addictions. You see marriages being healed. You see parents who don't know the first thing about raising kids learning to raise healthy kids. Like you see that kind of stuff. You see healing and wholeness where Jesus is. The church is meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? You say, but why would you plant more churches? There, isn't there a church on every corner? Have any of you guys thought that when we've talked about planting churches? You don't have to be shy. You can, you can tell the truth, okay? Have you thought, that seems kind of like a waste of time. Like, aren't there enough churches? Why can't you just make the churches that are already there better? Why don't you do that, okay? Let me give you some, some information you may not be aware of, okay? How many churches do you think are in the United States? How many? 40,000? How many? 400? Actually, you're really close. There's 350,000. Uh, there are 350,000 churches in the United States. Isn't that enough? Don't you think that's enough? Okay. Um, 350,000. Let me ask you another question. How many of those 350,000 churches do you think are healthy? Okay. Somebody's putting numbers to it out there. Um, I'll tell you what the statistics say, okay? Out of those 350,000 churches, four out of five of those have plateaued or are declining. In, in, did you guys know that? Of the 350,000 churches in the United States, 80 to 85% of them either aren't growing at all or they're actually declining. Now, uh, is, is church growth the only indicator of church health? No. Uh, but it is an indicator. And it's one that, uh, you know, you can get in there and, and look at each individual congregation and, and see some different results. But to be honest with you, I do this a lot, right? Uh, I study this a lot. 
uh, most churches, the vast majority of churches in the United States are unhealthy. The vast majority of churches in the United States are not reaching anyone. The vast majority of churches in the United States are one color. The vast majority of churches in the United States are not doing very well. Okay? Um, now, out of the, so I, I told you, 80 to 85% not growing, right? There's 15% of churches in the United States out of that 350,000 that are growing. Okay? Uh, how many of those are growing in a healthy way? Okay? 99% of churches in the United States that are growing. And guys, this is this stuff that I'm sharing with you is based on uh, one of the largest studies on church planting that has ever been done in the United States. Warren Bird and Ed Stetzer a few years ago uh, went through 120 PhD dissertations that were written at the seminary level. Uh, they went through hundreds of sociological studies, Pew Research, all kinds of numbers. This is uh, part of the largest study that has ever been done on church planting in the United States. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay? This is scientifically proven. These numbers that I'm giving you are scientifically proven. Um, out of the 350,000 churches in the U.S., only 15% are growing numerically. 99% of those that are growing numerically, do you want to know where they're getting their growth? They're getting their growth from what we would call transfer growth. And what I mean by that is a new church gets started in a town, they put on a really big show, and then people leave the churches that they are already going to to go to that big church. And every year, Outreach Magazine, which is a magazine that is mostly not worth reading, prints a... Uh, prints a, a list of the top 100 fastest growing churches in the United States. And they put that list out there and they say, oh, these are the guys you need to be like. These are the successful guys. These are the guys that are really growing big churches. Nearly every single church on that list is just putting on a bigger show. And so they're getting the people that go to the little church up the road to come to their church because they have the best band. They have the best speaker. He's funny. We like listening to him. They have the best multimedia. They have the best youth program. They have the flashiest show. They put on the best show. They get the most people, right? And that's success in the United States. 99% of those churches are not reaching anybody. Okay? In the United States, less than 1% of churches in the United States are growing from conversion growth primarily. And that is reaching lost people, studying the Bible with them, baptizing them, and adding them to their number. People that weren't previously Christians. Less than 1% of churches in the United States are reaching people like that. Um, we are in that small number. Okay, The Crossing Church is in that small number. We offer something different in the United States. Uh, I talk about it a lot. I get up here. You guys don't know. If you don't study this stuff, if you're not in, immersed in the numbers, if you're not looking, you don't know. There's a reason my wife and I moved 2,000 miles to come to work with the crossings. We picked this place. We came here on purpose because there was something different that was here, and the way we were doing church is different here. We picked this place. We could have gone anywhere else. We came here 
because there was something different here. And this is why. And the kinds of churches that we are planting, you guys need to understand, are not normal when it comes to what the way church is being done. We're doing it differently, and we're doing it differently on purpose. Okay, like the, the emphasis on small groups. How many churches require small groups for membership? Have you encountered another one? Okay, how many churches expect you to be involved in a relationship with, your, with the people on the pews and try to like be intentional about developing that? How many have you encountered? You ever been to another one? Okay, you want to know why we emphasize that stuff? It's because the result, like the, tar- the target we're shooting at is we want to be a disciple-making church. We want to be a disciple-making church that is just honoring God by making disciples and trying to carry out this great commission. But we're going to look different than the guys around us because they're not, the the, the whole goal is different. Like our success at the end of the day is not how many butts are in seats in here. Success at the end of the day for us is how many people are being developed into the image of God. Like how many people are becoming the person that God created them to be? Okay? It's a lot different. You want to know what happens when you try to help people become like, it's hard. It's a lot easier just to get butts and seats. Like, if we really wanted to be on that 100, top 100 fastest growing churches, you guys think we couldn't do it? You think we don't know how to draw a crowd? Guys, I worked in secular radio. I can draw a crowd. Easy. Easy. But we're not here to do that. We're here to make disciples. And making disciples is much different. But I'm telling you, we're, we're offering something different. You say there's a lot of churches, there's a church on every corner, why would we plant another church? Because the churches we're planting are not like the church on every corner, okay? And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm not saying that to be arrogant. Guys, if we start getting arrogant about this, it's going to kill it. God's not going to honor arrogance. We need to be humble. But guys, I also, I don't want to be arrogant, but at the same time, I do want you to understand you are part of something special here at the Crossings. Not arrogant about that. It's just, we're, this is different. And so you can get on board or not, but we're going to be moving forward. There's enough people that believe in this vision, and there's enough people that are going to unite around these values. We're going to move forward with or without you. We would love for you to come along, okay? We've got a big mission ahead of us. Numerous studies indicate that the best way churches in the United States can respond to the current needs in the United States Numerous studies indicate exactly what we are doing is what needs to be done. And that's very affirming for me. What I mean by that is local congregations that are healthy and making disciples need to catch a vision of planting churches so that they can multiply their efforts and make disciples in other places as well. That is the result of the largest study on church planting that has ever been done. They're saying, don't go to the church planting organizations. You know, don't plant churches uh, 3,000 miles away from yourself. Work regionally. Local congregations take ownership of a region, and then they plant churches in their region, and then they adopt another region later, and they do it again. That is exactly what we're trying to do here at the Crossings, and that is exactly what the largest study on church planting in the United States that has ever been done said we should do. And this was after we were already doing it, okay? So this was very affirming. 
for me. It's like, okay, we picked the right team. You know, that's what I thought when I read all this stuff. Uh, secondly, why do we plant churches? Secondly, we want to be faithful to the Great Commission. We want to be faithful to the Great Commission. We plant churches because God told us to make disciples. It says in Matthew 28, Then Jesus came to them and said, which, by the way, this is the last words of Jesus. When he was, on, uh, when he, when he was here, he got his followers together. And uh, he came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus. And according to the eyewitnesses, he brought these guys together. He gave them this commission. And then he flew away. That's just weird, right? Uh, but that's what they said happened. They sat there and watched him fly away. Now, this is a guy that they had witnessed uh, heal numerous people. He was able to raise people up from the dead. Like, he had, he had authority from God. It was very obvious. The reason this Christianity blew up in the first century is because Jesus had superpowers. Like, he was able to go in and, like, do stuff that only God could do. Right? And so he had all this credibility because obviously there's something different about them. But then he flies away in front of his followers. That's just a weird day, right? But he gave them marching orders before he departed. He said, boys, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to come back someday. In the meantime, you go and make disciples. And what we see is these guys took these marching orders and they honored it. By doing that, guys, making disciples is, is a command for all of us. Uh, what this means is you enter into relationship with somebody else that can, you can teach how to follow Jesus. Now, this should have been something that was done for you. Okay, You should have been discipled. Whenever somebody gets together with you and shares the gospel with you and... and uh, you know, you, you respond and become a Christian. Well, that's just the first step. Like, after that, you've got this development. And, and this is ongoing. This, this is a lifetime, you know, kind of goal. This is something we work on. Uh, anybody in here arrived yet? Anybody arrived yet? Okay, no. I have, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect, right? I've still got stuff I need to grow and develop in. It's a lifelong pursuit, and God's intention is that you have people in your life that can be there and help you, and his intention is for you to be that person for others, it's to make disciples, right? It's relational. We've talked about this for the last several weeks. Making disciples is relational. You know, most of these guys that Jesus hung out with were younger than him, but they walked together. They were on the road together. He was mentoring them and teaching them as they were going along. God wants you to be that for somebody else. You say, that's intimidating. Look, it's as intimidating as, hey, you want to follow Jesus? Come along and I'll show you how. You say, that's intimidating. Well, that's, that's being a disciple who's making disciples. Doesn't mean you're not going to screw up. You want to know what you do when you screw up? You say, hey, I screwed up. Let me show you how to make it right. You can lead out of weakness as well. So don't be intimidated by that, Right? Make disciples. Our purpose is something we share uh, in our 101 class. Uh, what is our purpose? It can be summed up in a few sentences. 
Um, this is on the printed material we give every single member. We believe that a great uh, we believe that a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will build a great church. We believe that a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will build a great church. That means we love the lost, we love God, and we love one another. Guys, if we keep our priorities right, we're going to be okay. Um, next, why do we plant churches? Well, we want to care for the hurting. We want to care for the hurting. Jesus has great compassion. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Matthew 9, 36-38, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he asked his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, or then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Uh, now this is Jesus. He looks out at the city, he sees all the people, he sees that they're broken and harassed, helpless, they need help. He feels compassion for them, okay? This is a big part of what drove Jesus' ministry is his compassion for people. And he looks out, he sees all these people that are broken and need help. He turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful. What does that mean? The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of work to be done. That's all he says. That's all it means is there's plenty of work to be done. But the workers are few. Okay? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to God to send out workers. You guys realize what a worker is, right? A worker is somebody who is willing to get out there and get busy building the kingdom. That's what a worker is. What does it look like to build the kingdom? Well, it looks like helping people. It looks like loving people the way Jesus says to love people. It, lo it looks like helping people through whatever, like in pointing people to God. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Why do we plant churches? Because churches multiply workers. Churches multiply efforts. We move into a place and start making disciples, and suddenly we have multiplied our efforts in that place. There's a lot happening in Collinsville now that wasn't happening a few years ago because we started this congregation and started developing people. We multiply workers. Guys, the harvest is plentiful. We need more workers. We need more churches because we need more workers. You guys get the connection there? We need that. Next, we know new churches mean new people. We plant churches at the crossings because we know new churches mean new people. It was always Jesus' vision for the church to grow and to spread and, and to expand. It says in Acts 1.8, uh, this is Jesus uh, talking to the disciples when they're asking, hey, what's next? He says, rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Circle to the ends of the earth. Why do we plant churches? Why do we need more churches? Why do we need missionaries? Why do we send people across the sea to foreign soil? Why do we do this? Because Jesus said his church is going to the end of the earth. Jesus said it, Right? Um, to the end of the earth was always Jesus' vision. How does that happen? It happens by us being intentional. 
It happens by us doing what we can to honor the words of Jesus. And we're going to go to the ends of the earth, guys. There are still unreached people groups in the world. There are still uh, groups in the world that, that don't have access to things like writing and alphabets. Did you guys know there's people, illiterate people groups all over the place? There are still unreached people groups in the U.S. We're actively sending people to them. In fact, uh, we have people that are going into villages where there's no literacy, creating an alphabet, teaching the people their alphabet, teaching them how to read just so we can translate a Bible into that language and give it to them. Did you guys know stuff like that's happening? Okay. I actually had recruiters come to my colleges, and, and like I've got friends, classmates of mine that actually do that. They take the Greek text and the Hebrew text, and they have helped these people develop an alphabet, and they actually put, for the first time, the Bible into their language where they can read it and teach their kids. Okay? They're giving their life to that. That's spreading the kingdom. And where the, where the word of God takes root and a community develops, you know what we call that? We call that a church. And that's church plant, right? There are people that are actively working and, and multiplying efforts in these obscure places because every single person was created by God and is loved by God and, and has an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And guys, we say it all the time, but the best life you can have is wrapped up in getting that right, getting your relationship with God right. If you get that right, everything else falls into place. If you get that wrong, everything's going to come crashing down at some point, whether it's now or later. But where, where the church is present, guys, and where healthy churches are present, uh, people are going to be reached. I mentioned um, we know new churches mean new people. Uh, statistically, church plants reach more people than churches that have been around for a long time. That's something that's borne out over uh, many studies. That's proven. So if you say, I love people, uh, I want to reach people, well, church plants are a great way to reach people, they typically reach a lot more than, than those that have been around a while. In Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's what we see as happen in a healthy church, is you will see people that are coming to know Jesus. You'll see people uh, that prior had no real relationship with any kind of faith or anything that are learning and, and getting to know um, and, and being saved. Um, next, we plant churches and focus on planting churches because we understand that church plants diversify the kingdom of God. We understand that church plants diversify the kingdom of God. It says in Acts 8, at that time the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles were scattered, uh, they moved on, preaching the good news along the way. After the apostles had testified and proclaimed the Lord's word, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the good news to many Samaritan villages along the way. And that's a big deal because they didn't rub elbows with Samaritans back then. Okay? But now we're seeing something different. We're seeing God move even uh, in the lives of these other people. Um, I, I point this out, guys. The church was always meant to be diverse. Now, I don't know about you, but if you look around at our crowd this morning, this is not a monochrome audience, right? 
This is a diverse group of people. Um, that's the way it should be. If you go to any of our other congregations across the river, if you go to the one in St. Charles, if you go to the crossing St. Charles County, you walk into that room, there's going to be a bunch of people in there, and it's going to look different from their community because St. Charles is white. <laughs> the Crossings Church is not, right? We are mixed. Why? Because that's the way it should be in the kingdom of God. That's the way it should be. And it was always Jesus' intention for it to be that way. When he said, hey, we're going to take this to the ends of the earth, you guys realize there are a lot of different kinds of people on the earth, right? And you guys realize that as he creates his church, his church is not going to be all white. And on Sunday mornings, of those 350,000 churches in the United States, you want to know how many of them are a single race? The vast majority. The vast majority. You go to a white church, you go to a black church, you go to a Chinese church, you go to a Spanish-speaking church. You, you don't have just a church, right? But that's what it should be like. God doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care what ethnicity you are. He doesn't care what your socioeconomic background or status is. You are a soul. You are a person created in the image of God to carry out the work of God and your color does not matter. And if our churches don't reflect diversity, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And it was never meant to be, it was never meant to be like, like it is. Like that, the way our, the way the church is in the U.S., because that's a result of sin. In history, and it was never meant to be like that. In Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In Mark 13, 10, the gospel must first, first be preached to all nations. That word nations is the word ethnos in Greek. It just means people groups. Be, be spread to all people groups, all the diverse colors and, and ethnicities and cultures, the gospel is for everyone, right? It's not just for people that look like me. It's for everyone. We need to understand as we talk about all this stuff, like, guys, this is just a partial list, okay? When we talk about why we plant churches at the crossings, well, here's, here's a few reasons. We could add to that list. Here's a few, though, okay? These are some of the things that we value, but I want you guys to understand as we move forward, and we're talking about being equipped, we're talking about what we've got coming up in the future, we're talking about kind of our mission and what we're planning to do here, you guys need to understand that as we talk about this stuff, the Crossings Church is only going to be as healthy and as effective as our individual members. So, guys, the only way this is tangibly going to make a difference in the world is if you are convicted and you start making some changes in your life and you take ownership and hold of this as an individual. I can get up here and talk about it all day. Like, and it can go in one ear and out the other. But if we start doing this stuff individually, guys, God is going to do some things. God is going to do some stuff through us. And I, guys, this, this could get out of hand. Seriously. 
When I, in a good way. Like, it's not going to get out of God's hand. It could get out of our hands. Okay? God's got it. But this, this could blow up on us. Right? Um, how can I be equipped to help the crossings plant churches? How can I be equipped? I want to kind of transition a little bit here. How can I be equipped to help the crossings plant churches? Well, you are encouraged to, first of all, consider going on a plant someday. Consider going on a plant someday. Uh, now, not everybody should have to, not everybody's going to do this, okay? Not everybody's going to want to do this. I want to challenge you, though, everybody should be willing to do whatever God calls them to do. If you ever find yourself saying, I'm never going to do that, all of us should be willing to, to do whatever God calls us to do. If God calls you to go on a church plant, maybe you should go on a church plant, okay? Um, it says in Romans 10, 14 through 17, before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. Before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must what? Tell them, okay? This is important. It doesn't say someone must give them a Bible to read for themselves. Did you notice that? It says someone must tell them. Uh, and before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring good news, but not all the Jews accepted the good news. Isaiah said, Lord, who believed what we told them? So faith comes from what? Circle that. Does it say faith comes from reading? Okay, this is specific in the text. Faith comes from hearing auditory word. Does that mean deaf people can't come to faith? I don't think that's what it means. Don't take this to its end, okay? Um, this specific word, though, is auditory, uh, is the way this is to be understood. Faith comes from hearing somebody tell you the word of God, okay? There's a relational aspect, that's here. There's a there's a person to person uh, aspect. How do how do you come to faith? How do you come to faith? It's so God puts somebody in your life that helps you get there. Okay. God can work through other means. He can he can work through all kinds of ways. Guys, there are going to be God can save whoever He wants. Okay. I'm not putting any shot. I'm just telling you the way the normal way God operates when it comes to coming to faith is God puts somebody in your life that is going to share that with you. How many of you came to faith because God put somebody in your life that shared faith with you? Okay? Um, that's, that's the way he works. That's just the way he works. Um, where would you be if someone had not gone out for you? Would you be here today if someone had not gone out of their way to be this person who shares with you. Where would you be if that church had not been there? Now, this is one of the things that convicted me. Like, I became a Christian uh, when I was 23 as a result of an evangelistic campus ministry down in Tampa, Florida, my wife and I both. God put some people in our lives that got up in our grills. We're like, what are you doing with your life? Don't you know there's a God in heaven that loves you? Don't you know the way you're living is not honoring him? Would you like to learn how we could hit the reset button on this thing and, and get right with God? And I was like, yeah, 
And so my whole life changed as a result of that. Came to faith in Jesus. Left a drug addiction behind. Left a, a, a bunch of garbage behind. Was able to get help with a, a lot of stuff that had happened in my life. And I'm a different man now. Uh, but it's because God put some people in my life who were really serious about reaching out to lost, hurting men like me. Where would I be if that campus ministry hadn't been there? Would I be standing here today? I think I'd be dead. Like the way my life was going, I, seriously, I think I would be dead. I would have OD'd or I would have had some drunk driving car crash or something. I was not living good, right? But that ministry was there. And so I was able to be reached. After I became a Christian, I got, I got some training. I got some, uh, uh, I, I was able to intern and kind of learn how to do this ministry thing. Well, I learned there aren't very many campus ministries out there like the one that reached me. And so I got my friends together and I was like, man, where would we be if this campus ministry hadn't been? We need to go start more campus ministries. And so a bunch of us started trying to start campus ministries precisely because uh, of our like, thought that there's lost people out there like, wait, they're just going to stay lost unless somebody goes to them. We need to do something about it, right? And that's where I'm at with this church thing too, right? Whenever we start churches, by the way, we always start a campus ministry, just so you guys know. We, we plant churches where there are colleges because typically uh, young adults tend to be more open to conversations about the gospel than uh, when we get older. Uh, in the United States, uh, 80% of people who become Christians do it before the age of 21. 80%. So if we're, and the statistics go down. Uh, after that, into adulthood, like after you're 21, um, statistically, you're, we're not going to reach very many of you. And then it goes up again, like the, the openness goes up again at the end of life. Uh, so like senior citizens and people who are uh, going to the doctor a lot more, you know, maybe when they were younger, they tend to start thinking about, I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account. So they tend to open up. Uh, adults are the hardest to reach. Uh, some people are like, why don't you guys reach, why, why, why do the campus ministry have so many baptisms and the adults, you know, you're like, they'll have 10 and you'll have one. And you guys are celebrating that. Well, that's why. Adults are hard to reach. Because people get stuck in their ways. You know, if they, if they decide they're going to be drug users by the age of 21, usually they stay drug users. Okay? If they decide they're going to be atheists by the age of 21, usually they stay atheist. If they decide whatever, you know, usually you stick with the habits that you form by then. It becomes harder and harder to break. It's not to say it's hopeless. Because a lot of you in this room were reached in the statistically dark years. So it can happen, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to continue. But we do, uh, when we plant churches, put an emphasis on young people. And part of the reason our crowd is younger is because we do put an emphasis on evangelism among college students and teens because they tend to be a lot more receptive. And a lot of the adults in this room were reached when they were that age. Aren't you glad, Right? Because where would you be if you hadn't? Um, if you want to see more of that, don't close the door 
on the idea that God may someday call you to go on one of these church plants. Um, Because every few years, we are going to be forming a team, and we are going to be sending teams out to plant new churches in new places for new people. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, guys. I know um, (coughs) across the river, they planted uh, the church in Wentzville in 2004, and after about 10 years of that church being present, they were to the point where they could uh, turn around and plant additional churches. And so uh, in 2012, we started talking about what we wanted to do for the next few years over there, and we decided we wanted to plant three churches by 2020. And so in 2014, we started the Crossings Church Inner Belt. In 2017, we started the Crossings Church Collinsville. That's here. Um, many of us moved over here. And then in 2020, we started Crossway Church Columbia. We didn't do the crossings because there was already a crossings up there. We didn't want people to get confused. Uh, so we have the church in St. Charles. We have the church in the Inner Belt. We have the church in Collinsville, us, and we have the church in Columbia. Now we're trying to figure out what's next. Where do we go from here? We have this 2020 vision. What's going to be like our 2030 vision? We're still working that out. But I can tell you what it's going to consist of. I can tell you it's going to consist of planting churches. And this is not going to be something that we just talk about here for a couple of years and then forget about. Guys, planting churches is part of our DNA at the crossings. This is not going to be something that goes away. Uh, we are a church of small groups that's going to be planting churches of small groups and uh, trying to do our best to make sure that that's healthy. Um, so we will be talking more about that in the future. And I can tell you that just like the church across the river planted us, one of these days we're going to be to the point where every three years or so we are sending out teams from our own number here in Collinsville, where we train them, and we're going to oversee these plants that are going out. Uh, That's the vision, and that's the goal. That's where we're moving to. So maybe someday, maybe someday, maybe someday you'll go on a church plant. Maybe, okay? Some of you may feel called to that. You're getting really excited. Some of you are like, oh, no, no, not me. You'll probably be the one God calls. Um, Okay, what if I don't go? on a church plant. Well, the next thing you can do is be faithful here if I don't go. Be faithful here if I don't go. Uh, When the church began to be persecuted in in the book of Acts, there was a scattering that took place. Uh, So there was a a church in Jerusalem that was there, and then things started to get kind of crazy in uh, Acts 8. It says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Uh, Jesus had already told this church in Jerusalem, you guys are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He didn't tell them how. (laughs) They were comfortable in Jerusalem. Well, then a persecution broke out. And Saul, the guy who would later become the Apostle Paul, he was not the Apostle Paul yet. He was a bad dude. He was going from house to house in Jerusalem, banging on people's doors, kicking doors in, dragging families off to prison, even killing some of them because they were worshiping Jesus. He thought Jesus was a liar and a heretic. Uh, Joke was on him. Later, Jesus showed up and beat him up and 
made him his disciple. Um, and he became one of the most prolific uh, builders of the church in history. But he didn't start out that way. So things get bad. People are comfortable in Jerusalem, and suddenly they're scattered because of this persecution. Now, what these people did as they were being scattered is they kept telling people about Jesus, which is hilarious, because that's not what they wanted. Like the people bringing the persecution did not want that to happen. But suddenly this thing goes from being a Jerusalem problem to being a whole region problem, because these people are spreading it everywhere. They just won't be quiet. But the apostles stayed back. Okay, so you've got these people that go out, but then the apostles stay back and they keep building the church. Who was the disciple here? Like who was being faithful here? The people that went out or the people that stayed home? Who did God love more? It's irrelevant, right? That's, that's, not, that's a stupid question. God loved them all. They were all being faithful wherever they went. What's the point? We should do the same thing. Okay? Whether God calls you to go on a plant someday or whether he calls you to stay here, you, you need to be faithful. And the thing about sending out church plants is it leaves us with plenty to do. Okay? So let's just say, for instance, uh, we send a church plant out next week and all of our staff is gone. Right? Our youth ministers are gone. Our cell leaders are gone. Uh, all of the people that make stuff happen here and run smoothly are gone. What's going to have to happen? Well, we're going to have holes that need to be filled with new people that can come in there and be faithful. So, guys, when we send out church plants, you've got to understand, we're sending out some of our very best leaders. You want to think there's not holes to be filled in the congregation behind? It's taken them a few years to, to build back up. Uh, every, every time we send a church plant out across the river... Every time we set a team out, it took, took a couple years to build back up because you're sending your best leaders out. You're sending the people out. You can call for anything, and they're reliable. Well, now they're gone, and so you've got you've to figure out how to fill that hole, right? Um, that's one of the things that actually keeps a church healthy because if a church isn't developing leaders, the church is, you know, they're, they're not healthy. It, it becomes necessary for us to develop new leaders in, a, in an environment where we're constantly sending our best out. And that actually makes an awesome church. Because if you have a church that is focused on developing people and that's intentional about getting in the lives of people and helping them overcome their garbage to like, be who God created them to be, that's an awesome church. It, it, you know, you're not going to find a, a church that has arrived. Like, if you find that church, run. Um, because they haven't, but a church that's really focused on development. Like, and by the way, that's our end game. Like, that's kind of how we gauge success. It isn't butts and seats. It's who's developing, who's becoming the person that God created them to be, who's overcoming what issue. Like, how are we making progress here? Uh, that's how we gauge success here. Um, not by how many we can get to show up to a meeting, Right? We do count things. Like we do, numbers are important because numbers are people, but really uh, our value is on, is on development. It says in Colossians 3, uh, and this is whether you go or stay, whatever you do, do it from the heart and for the Lord, not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. The idea, guys, is whether you go or whether you stay, just, just work, work for God like with all your heart, whether it's on a plant or whether it's staying behind. Be faithful. Lastly, how can I support? Well, be sacrificial 
and support other plants. How can I be equipped to help the Crossings plant churches? Lastly, be sacrificial and support other plants. Um, now listen, church planting is expensive. You guys know that uh, we're not about money here. Uh, in fact, when, you, when people show up on Sundays, we, we say every week, if you're visiting, guys, we do not want your money. And we don't ever want to be perceived as a church uh, that is about that. Um, but church planning is expensive. It is expensive to purchase property. It's expensive to, to fund teams. It's expensive uh, to buy vans, to send kids to camp, to do a lot of the stuff we do. It does take money. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7-8, each of you must make up your own mind about how much to give. Don't feel sorry that you must give. Don't feel that you're forced to give. God loves people who love to give. God can bless you with everything you need, and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. What you are doing is much more than a service that supplies God's people with what they need. It is something that you will make many others thank God. Or it is something that will make many others thank God. The, the way in which you have proved yourselves by this service will bring honor and praise to God. You believed the message about Christ and you obeyed it by sharing generously with God's people and with everyone else. Now, he's given them some pats on the back. Uh, in Corinth, at one time, they were not generous. You go read uh, 1 Corinthians and he had some different words for them uh, because they had not been generous. 2 Corinthians, they had matured a little bit. Uh, and they had started giving. Um, guys, giving financially is not about the money, it's about your heart. And the thing is, as we talk about this vision for planting churches, uh, I just want to encourage you to, you know, is this something that your heart is behind? Do you really believe in what we're doing and what we're trying to do? Um, if you do, if your heart is behind this, it's going to show up in, in how you give. And guys, I just got to say, we have some really sacrificial givers here. Uh, we have people whose hearts are obviously behind what we're doing here at the Crossings because they put their money where their mouth is. And guys, I could tell you story after story of need that has been met by some people in this room uh, where people have really been sacrificial uh, when they've heard that there has been a need. And it is very encouraging uh, to, to me and to everybody else who is really all in on this thing. And so I just want to thank you for that. I also want to challenge you uh, because moving forward, we are every few years going to be sending a team out and uh, we are going to send them out equipped with everything they need if we can, including finances. We try to fund every church plant for about two years uh, after they're out where they just don't even have to worry about money. And they're able to go and, and do everything that they need to do um, and, and get it done. So we'll be talking more about that uh, in the future moving forward. It's not about the amount, guys. It's about our hearts. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that this thing could get crazy. Okay? Uh, they planted the church in Wentzville, um, in 2004, I mentioned in about 10 years, they were ready to plant again. Now, uh, by 2020, they had planted by themselves three other churches, okay? Uh, that's one church that planted three other churches. Now, what if by the time we were 10 years old, 
How old is this church? Four? What are we, four? We're not that old. Huh? Five? Okay. Still young. You guys aren't even kindergarten yet. Um, What if... What if it didn't take us 10 years to plant another church? Because we started with a facility and all of the stuff they didn't have. They gave us. What if it didn't take 10 years for us to plant another church? Or let's say, for, our, for argument's sake, let's say what if it did. What if by the end of 10 or 12 years of our being here, we have not just planted one church? What if we planted a couple of churches? What if uh, Interbelt in the next 10 years, what if they planted a couple of churches? Uh, What if Columbia in the next 10 years, what if they planted a couple of churches? What if St. Charles County in the next 10 years, what if they planted, they could probably do three or four. They're bigger than us. What if they did three or four in the next 10 years? Okay, so in 10 years, how many churches are we up to? Anybody good with math? Okay. What is that, like 10 or 12? Is that like in 10 years? Seriously? How many people is that? Okay. And so you got 10 or 12, right? What if they're all healthy? What if, what if they have as part of their DNA this idea that we're going to plant churches? What if you go another 10 years? What if all of those churches in, in 10 years, what if they planted a couple more churches? What if those that had gotten bigger, you know, what if they were able to scale up a little bit and multiply efforts? Guys, in 20 years, if we continue planting the way we're planting and if we're healthy, like if we're doing a good job making sure we're healthy, in 20 years, how many could that be? Another another 10 or 12, 20 years after that, how many could that be? You guys realize this could get out of hand in our lifetimes in a good way. If we're being faithful, you understand that we are doing something different in, statistically in the United States. Like what, the way we're doing this, we are intentional about, and it's, it's different. We are offering something that the world needs. We are not just another church up the street. Guys, and that's not to be arrogant or to say we're better. We're different, okay? We're doing things different. We're addressing a need. I just want you to dream a little bit. What could this do? This could get out of hand. You guys know when God gets involved in stuff? It tends to get out of hand. But it's not out of his hand. I want to encourage you to believe in this vision that we have here. I want to encourage you not to see this as as everybody else's job. 
I want you to know that God has put something in front of you here that you can spend a life on. And it'll be a good investment. I just want you to dream and think about that. Because I believe God is going to do some pretty special stuff with this little group from the Midwest. And guys, it's not because we're so good or we're so talented. The Crossings Church is the most jacked up group of people that I know. And it's hilarious because those are the kinds of people that God uses. He uses the broken and messed up ones. So when the world looks and says, look at what is happening. I know it's not because they're so talented. It must be because God is so good. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and we're going to close out. God, as we uh, dream about church plants today, I pray you will capture our hearts and help us to be faithful. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song to close out. Um, You've got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. I want to invite everybody to pull that out. It's got a space for you to respond. Uh, If you need help for anything or with anything today, uh, we would love to speak with you. Uh, We've got a lot of different uh, things that we offer for people in various life situations. If you're interested in joining the Crossings Church, we would like to invite you um, to indicate that on your card. If you'd like more information about what we're all about, we're a church of small groups. Um, What I mean by that is uh, every single one of our members is involved in a smaller community because in those small groups, we're able to get to know every single person person and make sure needs are met. Um, So if that's something you're interested in, we would love to invite you to check that out. If you're uh, interested in in, uh, learning more about God, if you're just here and you don't even really know uh, if you can trust this this God thing or if the Bible can be trustworthy, hey, there is no dumb question, okay? Uh, Truth, if it's really truth, will stand up to the hardest questions. Uh, I guarantee you we've got people here that have had those same questions. You will not be shamed. Nobody's going to look down on you. Um, if you're just investigating, hey, we are really, really glad you're here. We want you to feel welcome to know that uh, you can ask your questions and, and get answers. If that's where you are, indicate that you'd like a personal Bible study. If, uh, if you'd like to learn more about God um, and somebody who knows you will get together in all the Bible study. It's not like a classroom. You just open the Bible, read it, and say, what do you think about that? And then you guys talk about it. Um, you know, how do, how do we live this thing out? Um, I'm, uh, we're, I prayed already. Man, I'm just all discombobulated. We're just going to sing. How about that? And during that song, you can fill your card out. And I'm going to go sit down. Love you guys.